Hello, Insane Rhetoric listeners. Thank you for joining us today on this Rewind Wednesday. We've got a pretty funny show for you today. Come on in, sit back, and enjoy the ride that is Insane Rhetoric. Hey guys, this is Fire from Insane Rhetoric. Check this out. Listen, we need your help in sustaining future episodes, conversations, so we can bring more of the craziness and the insanity to you that's going on in your community, in your city, and in your world. Can you please help us to donate to Insane Rhetoric? And your small, medium, or large gifts are more than appreciated. And we would love to keep this station coming to you and giving you the information that you need about the insanity in your world. So check this out. Please, please, please donate to Insane Rhetoric so we can sustain sustain future episodes. Hey, thank you once again. Fire out. What's up? What's up, Insane Rhetoric? How y'all doing this morning? You know what it is. The world is upside down and we're trying to what? Make it right side up listen listen the show is gonna be awesome on this on today we just heard just to chop it up about different topics that we have in our society we just want to let you know just come on in come on in and let's enjoy this ride that is what insane rhetoric let's get into it what it do sister what it do how y'all how y'all doing out there Hello, y'all. Good morning, y'all. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Good morning, y'all. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. on, Sister, I got to put you in your key. You was a little pitchy right there. Let's let's go back. Good morning, y'all. There we go. Okay. How how you doing? You was a little pitchy. I was like, wait a minute. That ain't the key. (laughs) I need you to go to A flat, please. A flat. So what's going on? Okay. I think a G sharp. I'm just saying. At least you know there's a G sharp instead of Z flat. <laughs> you know that sharp, so that's what's up. So what we what we talking about today, sister? What's going on? Who we got joining us today? So we have uh back with us. Uh he calls himself Talk White Guy. Talk White Guy is in the room, in the room. <laughs> and returning with us live today. Uh straight from she shed is Lynn. Lynn is with us today. Good morning, Lynn, 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 Lynn. So as you know, this past several weeks, we've been um, exploring um, the effects of alcoholism. Right. And uh, so we promised y'all a part two. Cool. We uh, wrapped up the show with uh, Toka White Guy. And then we uh, spent some time in the she shed with Lynn. And each one has told their personal story but um in their personal journey but we decided to bring them both back for part two to finish this off and just kind of like uh because we promised y'all we was going to talk more about the suicide aspects and both of them were uh we're very honored that both of them um shared their stories with us and both of their stories included uh about with uh suicide Mm -hmm. and so 
we thought we'd bring them both on to complete this story and bring it full circle. And um, y'all like, subscribe, follow, because both of these episodes have been very powerful, um, very strong, very hard for, for both of them and for us. And uh, so, but also inspiring. And so y'all know it is a rhetoric. We be trying to uh, do something with our world. We, it's, it's a bunch of stuff going on. Yeah, we ain't always crazy. You know, we, we try to make sure we put out content that is definitely helpful to people and our communities that we all live in because everybody needs a voice. And uh, I, I just say that sometimes some people just want to be heard, you know, and listen to. Uh, those are some of the things that I have found out through my life journey that sometimes it ain't always you trying to figure out somebody's problem. It's about them actually communicating the information to you so they can get it off them and feel better. Because a lot of things happen when people don't have no outlet to to talk to people about what's going on in their life and then they start down roads of destruction so i mean sometimes just like we say here shut up and listen <laughs> yeah you know we say shut up a lot i do anyway or hit you in the throat that'll help you shut up yeah <laughs> yeah i like to say i want i want to punch you in the throat in the throat yeah. but anyway uh so we're back here talking about i want to tell y'all this i found this out i found this out so this y'all i'm getting this from you know i like y'all know how we like to have facts because we don't like to do fake news facts from reputable places okay so i'm getting this from the national institute on alcohol abuse and alcoholism okay This particular study of alcohol, this was suicide deaths increased more among women than compared to men. We kind of touched on it in the she shed. We touched on this in the she shed a little bit. That's why we had the she shed episode because for women, it's kind of more silent than men. Not that it's not silent for men, but it's more silent because we so busy being superwoman. But bring home the bacon and frying it up in a pan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And, and we don't let you forget you the man. Well, okay, some of us do, but okay. But anyway, uh, uh do they still make Angelique? We might need to see if we can get a sponsorship from them. Cause okay, anyway, so here are the numbers. This study was uh also included data from the National Violent Death Reporting System. So there were um, 115,000 suicides that were studied. 87,000 men, 27,000 women ages 18 and up. Now, this was the study. You know, the studies are always a little bit behind the year, right? So this was 2003 to 2018. 
That's a good span of time. Now, the suicides among people who had a blood alcohol concentration of 0 0.08 or greater were the ones that were considered alcohol involved. So they had to have a 0 0.08 or better. Okay. Whew. The the blood alcohol uh, concentration raised significantly each year for all the women age groups. Mm -hmm. The greatest increase was among women over sixty five. Wow! Wow! So Middle aged me men had a significantly a significant yearly increase of alcohol involved suicides as well, but women, it was age 65. So let me ask you this, uh, Ice, what is the, what was the, um, the stats for uh, the year of 2019 going into COVID? What, suicide? Yeah, uh, alcoholism and suicide. Okay, keep talking. I have to look oh, that up. Okay, because I was, I was just, I was just interested because, uh, you know, when when COVID started, there was quarantine for everybody, and oh, uh, I don't know what a statistic was, but I know people who were married during that time and their spouses had to stay home, and their the divorce rate went up also. You know, what I'm saying it's because it was so people weren't used to seeing their spouse every day like that. And then if you have people who are uh, having issues and started to drink and different things or was already drinking, then I would think that that from 2019 up until the end of what we call COVID, or that time span would be greatly increased on suicides and divorce rate and alcoholism and drug addiction because mm -hmm. people spend too much time with each other that they're normally not spending that, that type of time with, you know. Uh, I can actually see, I can actually see the, the suicide rate of women going up and alcoholism of women going up because you are exactly right. Uh, I think moms have to be everything to everybody you know what i'm saying and then the, the point about that is they usually don't have time for themselves because if they're not like you say bringing home the bacon and fried it up like liz said then they're do they're doing that they're getting kids dressed for school they're cooking breakfast for kids they're helping kids study it's so much that goes on in a woman's world that people take for granted and i mean literally they are a superwoman but you know some of these women that now uh under the age of 30 they wonder woman you wonder what they can do because they can't do nothing. you need to quit okay so in 2020 uh 99,000. In 2019, it was 78,000. 
So, you know, 2019 was the COVID been around since the 60s. Yeah, yeah. But you know. it was the end of 2019 where it, they just started really kind of talking about it. Mm-hmm. So 2020, it hit hard. So we don't know if that's really a true number because, you know, nobody knew about pandemic and all of that. But 2020, right. we, we saw it from 78,000 to 99,000 for 2020. That's, that's, that's astronomical joke. Now yeah. you remember they talked about the fact that during COVID people were locked up and alcohol uh, consumption zooped up. Mm-hmm. Cause people didn't have anything else to do but sit at home and drink. They couldn't go to work. And make COVID babies. And they made COVID babies, yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> So, yeah. Um, so. I, I, what we think about that, y'all? What we think about that that number, those numbers, suicide related to COVID? Well, you know, I wouldn't expect anything else because I mean, I, I don't like being, well, and I would be interested to know how many of those people lived with families and how many people lived alone, you know, because I live alone with my three dogs. Um, and I, I couldn't, everything shut down. Well, I started inviting a few gals over to my house on Wednesday nights. Um, and we just wore masks and stuff because I, I cannot spend all that time alone. I just can't. And so, you know, you talk about the people who got married and how bad it was for them. Well, you know, people living alone, it wasn't so great for us either. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people got really depressed. Um, whether they were drinkers or not. And a lot of drinkers, you know, even people who had sobriety, you know, they they didn't go to the recovery programs anymore. They got those things going on Zoom. But if you're a people person, that's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. So, Unless you're a person like me, that I'm okay with not going outside. <laughs> Pandemic well, yeah. didn't bother me. Like, I was yeah, like, like, yeah. I to go outside. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, I'm a loner, but like, I, I still like to be around some people at some point in time. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes I'll go to the mall, not because I want to shop, but just to be around people. people. You mm-hmm. know, I like, I'm really an introvert because I, I get a lot of satisfaction out of doing things on my own, but I still like breathing people around me. Right. I like to hear people talk and laugh or whatever. Well, the the natural thing for human beings is to be around people, whatever your whatever your religious preference is. If it's not even one of them, it tells you that you weren't designed to be alone. So, I mean, people, people, that's the natural makeup of people to be around other people. So, I mean, what have you. Do you all remember the time of year it was? when you both um, contemplated taking your life? Do you remember what time of year it was like? Was it winter? Was it beginning of the year, end of the year? Do you remember that? It was August for me. I'll never forget it. It was December for me. Because this this article is is talking about the time of year and how they notice they're talking about the mental health struggles that people had during the during the uh, 
pandemic, but they're also talking about how um, alcohol deaths are related to the time of year. I bet so, I know the highest example, You know, after the holidays, so after February, after the holidays, you know, during the holidays, mm-hmm. when we're being merry, yeah. you know. Yeah, I was just going to say, I bet Christmas is one of the highest before Christmas and right after Christmas because people spend more money through that time that they usually don't have, not everybody, that they usually don't have. And then they start getting remorseful about being in debt coming out of that time of year. Yeah, buyer's remorse. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> and this article also relates to the fact that drinking at home, and I'm sure that this plays a, a big part in, uh, I mean, I'm okay. I, I can I can imagine that's the correct wording. I can imagine that this plays a big part too in alcoholism is that if you're drinking at home, um, there's no bartender. You're your own bartender. Yeah. So no one's there to regulate the size of the drink. Yeah. You know. You can have you a heavy hand. <laughs> Look, you got the two. Well, fingers. you can just drink right out of the bottle. There's nobody <laughs> there to stop you. <laughs> right. Look, look, you still, there was no you got a heavy hand. Head. You just got the bottle. <laughs> hey, that. When I started going to my self isolation, there was no bartender. There was no mixing process. It was straight from the bottle every single yeah, time. Yeah, you just, I mean, sometimes I would pour it in a cup. <laughs> Listen, 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 that gives the that gives the real meaning to the to the saying turn up. (laughs) Yeah. So that's what they're talking about. Um with related with uh, with regards to um being at home versus being out. But both of you talked about talked a lot about um being being out was a was a was a big part of your thing. Like I think Lynn, you called it, man, I love to party. And you related that to, you know, then versus now. And you were like, okay, yeah, I like being around people, but I finally figured out I don't have to drink. I yeah, like I, I do like to have a party. I do like to have friends over, but I figured out I didn't need to drink. And did you, did you party like a rock star Lynn? I did. I did. I loved to party. But, you know, that the reason mine happened in August was because I, you know, I spent that whole summer um, drinking by myself at home. Mm. You know, it reached the point where, no, I'm just going to stay here by myself and do it. Well, that was my it's, it's cheaper. awakening. It's cheaper. You don't have to, you don't have to tip no bartender. You don't have to do none of that. You, well, you, don't, have, you don't have to waste your time getting in the car. Yeah. driving somewhere yeah and and making your uh insurance grow up from a nice accident on the way back home yeah <laughs> yeah so it is it it's cost effective at home you know i so my question to both of you guys is um uh i don't know no other way to say it other than to be straightforward did a lot of people that i know and that has been around me has had problems stemming from home as a kid that eventually started to show when they got older 
did any of you have any of those issues that propelled you to be and go through your alcoholism at that certain time in your life you know or was was it just a straight home family that everything was good or because sometimes being at home and, and having a, a a home life sometimes things can be too good and you want to go against the grain of what the the family expects of you you know what i'm saying <laughs> so it's any of those and it is oh uh, were those any of you guys issues at, at any point in time in your life you know i've i've thought about that many times and i want to apologize to my family i said i came from a decent family i come from an amazingly supportive family um, you know they're the ones that really got me into the program to start working my sobriety because they were worried um and yeah i like so my mom dad and sister all went to mizzou i didn't study because i was just being a moron and i was like i'm gonna make it to the major leagues uh so i went to a different school and i felt like i was the black sheep and it just you know i, I know i've touched on this before with getting you know denied uh, and embarrassed and alcohol is just what became, you know, everything I, I mentioned before, I am the only alcoholic in my family. I am the first, you know, most children are very proud when they say I'm the first one to graduate high school in my family or college. I'm the first alcoholic, <laughs> you know, uh, that's just kind of how it, it went. And, um, I just used it for everything. You know, I, I didn't know what to do. And like I said last week, uh, or two weeks ago, it became my identity. So, you know, I don't really know exactly when my mind started turning in that direction, but it started young. So, yeah. go ahead, Lynn. Uh, well, you know, I mean, for those who heard my story last week, um, you know, yeah, I I can't blame my alcoholism on on my upbringing, and you know, it, it was great in many many respects. And then you know, we dealt with uh, my dad was an alcoholic, although I don't really remember that much about it. And my mom had a lot of nervous breakdowns. And uh, there's five of us, and I was the first one who decided that you know, there's an easier, softer way if I just start partying, and that was in high school, because um, I just never felt loved. Um, I wasn't close to my mom and, um, yeah, I just felt like I never fit in As, and go ahead. I'm sorry, Lynn. Well, so I'm the, I was the first one to start acting out, you know, my older brother and sister, their solution was to prove how worthy they were. My solution was to say, fuck it. And, and just, uh, drink and party. Um, but in the end, you know, all all five of us have an issue with um, addiction, either with alcohol, drugs, or both. Mm -hmm. So, but I'm still, since I was the first one, I mean, I'm, I'm still kind of considered the black sheep of the family. My old, two older siblings who are not in any kind of recovery program, they don't even talk to me anymore. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. And see, and, and see that's, that's, that was some of the things that I was saying about, like, 
upbringing and different things that happens in a household because everybody household has a different type of dynamic, you know, what they expect of you, what, you know, you know, I, I learned years ago, if you tell somebody's child that they won't be nothing enough, they'll wind up shooting for not to be nothing, you know? So is you know, that's what I was saying that, you know, sometimes, you know, you have a, a dynamic in a household that is not always conducive to every child in there. And like you said, Lynn, you just like, I'm not going to prove to you how worthy I am. I'm just going to go the other way and do my own thing. You know what I'm saying? Where the other two, this probably beckoning at hand, you know, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do to get what I want done, you know what I'm saying? And and then eventually you get tired of that, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's just amazing that um, people see people in different lights. And, I, and I, I like with the COVID situation, I think a lot of that stems from people don't know who they are. You know, um, one of the worst things that you can do to a person is put them in jail. And I told my, my co-holders, co-holders and, and token white guy once before, one of the worst things you can do is put a person in jail. But one of the worst things behind that is put them in a hole because it's isolation. If you not used to dealing with you and knowing how you are, you will make yourself go crazy and off the deep end. <laughs> so it's, it, and that's and that's what we was talking about, Ms. Lynn, that it, you have to be around people. Even in jail, you have a population that you are around. But when you pull a person away from that and do something else with them, now you gotta now you gotta see you for who you are because you can't argue with nobody but you. So it's like, you know, excuse me. I don't know anything about that, but other than the people that I talk to and the people that's around me and help me understand. So once they, they tell me, they say, man, listen, it comes down to you and you. <laughs> that's what it comes down to. And, you know, we talk I, about, um, you know, I never knew what I liked because when, you know, back when I grew up, you know, we all played baseball or softball. We all went to a small private school. We all did um, soccer, you know, we all did scouts. And so, you know, I never, and I didn't excel at that, you know, and it was in high school when I took trigonometry because my older siblings did, and I just, I could not do it. And I had to drop out and was like, okay, well, that's it. I'm quitting sports. I'm quitting everything, mm -hmm. you know, because it was like, I just, that's not me, but I, I had no idea until I got, went through this journey and got sober, you know, who I was, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't know what my interests were, know what my opinions were. I, you right. know, I really didn't know anything about myself. Right. Right. And, and go ahead, go ahead. Token white guy, you trying to say something. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, it's, uh, you know, it is crazy. Cause like, I, I am such an extrovert. Like I am such a people person. I love like learning what makes people tick, like what they do, what their interests are. And, you know, I, I used to love just like partying because I, I just got to be around everybody. And then when the, you know, we started uh, 
when the problem happened, when everything really started going south is when I started self-isolating. And that was like just horrible. And then I talked about how I go to AA and it's like one of my favorite things to do. And I know that sounds really ridiculous to somebody who doesn't understand, but you know, I, I enjoy being around people again. And, you know, I just, you know, Lynn and I, I've been to her house. We have like dice nights and, you know, we dice nights. Y'all shoot dice? That's right, center. It's a dice game. Oh, I was going to say, y'all shoot dice? We do it in the hood. We do it in the alley. (laughs) I I didn't shoot dice in the alley, sir. (laughs) But it's so nice because if you think about how many of us, you know, in the program that, you know, are alcoholics that used to just self-isolate, we now have so many events that we all do together. And we went from the self-isolation to knowing that, you know, like, hey, these people are just like me and we're all going through stuff. And the support system is unbelievable. And I yeah. think that's the most. Last weekend, they had a party in the park and there were three bands. You know, it was a park that had a, um amphitheater. There were three bands. There were food trucks. Hmm. And it was it was for, you know, there were signs, no alcohol beyond this point. It was awesome. Yeah. See, that's what's up. <laughs> so so my next question is 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 this and i know i i can pretty much gauge that both of you would tell me no but this is my next question so do you think that it was selfish that you started like this and then just forgot the concerns of the people who loved you and who were around you, or do you think that it wasn't selfish and you was just doing what you wanted to do? Because one thing that we do know, we do know whoever has any type of addiction or problem, some people like to call it, whatever you want to phrase it, and it hurts people around you, not just for them being lashed out from that person that has the problem, but for them to see you go through it, you know? So how do y'all feel about that? That How do you feel when you was in that situation? Did you was like, you know, skip it. I ain't caring. Or even at your lowest of low, were you concerned about the other people who was concerned about you? I didn't give a flying fuck. I was so selfish. I got so drunk on my birthday back in like 2019. We were going to uh, Charlie Gito's. My family was taking me. They were already there. And my dad called me and he goes, Hey buddy, we're here. Uh, You there yet? Are you pulling up? And I'm like, Oh shit. I hadn't even gotten out of my bed. I passed out. And I'm like, oh my God, all right, I got to pull myself together. I got to look decent, put on a button down, drove there. You know how that's going. Um, And then, of course, I had the selfish ability to Snapchat it. I'm walking in and I'm like walking into my own birthday 45 minutes late like a fucking rock star. That is selfish as hell. Because my family 
set aside that time to celebrate my birthday. And I, it, it was awful. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I screwed up shit with girlfriends, my family, the people that really cared about me and supported me. I didn't care. I was doing what I wanted to do all the time. It's a pathetic way to live. Mm. So, well, um, okay, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Mm -mm. Go ahead. Well, first, I, I need to say if for anybody who happened to listen on, she said last week that I owe an amends to someone who did not even hear the show, but I said a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the negative things about my 20 year marriage, but um, that guy stuck, stuck through me for the 15 years of our marriage where I was drinking and cheating and just, you know, having a good time. So he was, I have no idea where I'd be today if he had not stuck by me through that. But, you know, in a, in our alcoholism, we do hurt a lot of people and it certainly is very selfish, but, you know, quite honestly, when we're in that addiction, we don't really realize it. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time that we're being selfish, at least for me, you know, I was being selfish by, by my drinking and my actions, but at the same time, I was trying really hard to please certain people, mm -hmm. you know, um, but I did realize, and that's kind of how I ended up, you know, my, my drinking, um, came to a head, um, because my son came to visit for two weeks when I was in San Antonio. Well, he came to visit and I was sending him to rehab and those two weeks that he was there with me, we partied and partied and partied. And then I put him on a plane and sent him to rehab in California. And it struck me. What in the hell, how, what kind of mom are you that you're sending your kid to rehab, but you're partying and having drinking and getting drunk with them. And, and so it kind of dawned on me that, wow, you, that was really selfish. You know, that was not right. And that's, you know, that's when I attempted suicide. Wow. When I realized, wow, look what your drinking just did to him. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you was going to say something nice. You said, you said. Well, yeah, I am going to say something, but I want to respond to that too. Like it's a it's a thing with me and my children. I, you don't even get to drink. You didn't get to even have a drink with me until you were of drinking age. You know, yeah. like. That's the thing. Like I can relate to her with that because it's like, how you gonna drink with your child and then tell them what to do? Like, so I I totally am right there with you on that one. Yeah. But what I wanted I to say, keep, past keep on. Yeah. But you still, as a mom, you're like, uh, should I or shouldn't I? Should I didn't I even think about I? it. See, see, and, and it's crazy because like I grew up in a household. That wasn't even a factor, you know what I'm saying? It's like, no, nah, we don't, we just, we don't do that. We ain't drinking. Mm -hmm. That ain't, that ain't something that was, and you know, that I grew up with, which is crazy. And that's why I say everybody's household, everybody's mm -hmm. dynamic is so different. I think know? my oldest daughter was, it was actually her 25th birthday. And I had taken, um, had a birthday party for her at a restaurant and that was the first time 
we had a drink together. Yeah. Was at, you know her twenty fifth birthday. I mean that's crazy. That's yeah. It's, it's it's crazy because like I say in 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 most societies you know dealing with people you know like there's certain things I don't do with my kid. Mm-hmm. You know you know what I mean. It's just like certain things I'm not gonna do around my child because I'm trying to set that example, but some other people well some it, families it, it, go they some families it's like a thing from from yeah. early age you and like you having saying. a dinner and there's wine on the table and right. everybody drinking right like it's like a cultural thing right so now, yeah, yeah you're right you're right because like i was thinking about like some of the friends that i i grew up with i know a lot of different italian families and that's the culture of their family they get they get together. They have food, plenty of food. Wonderful Italian cooks. I mean, wonderful. <laughs> oh and, and and they drink. You know what I'm saying? And they and it's just like because like token white guy was saying about so. Charlie Gito's is one of the best restaurants in St. Louis. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they are the deal. When you're talking about authentic Italian, they are that. I mean, so you got to have a drink behind that. That pasta is wonderful. Yes, it is. My parents never gave us alcohol, but they knew we drank when we were in high school. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, you know, we used to go to a lot of events up at the at the Paris, you know, like the the end of the year school picnic and turkey shoots, and um, you know, it's kind of a cultural thing in in that religion. Um, there's always alcohol around. Yeah, yeah. So you know, to me, it was never, you know, and maybe that's why you know my parents they knew we drank, but you know, none of us got out of hand, you know, when we started. Mm-hmm. But when my that son, the same one I just mentioned, when he was 16 and we were living in, in Texas, he and his friends were going to go on a float trip for them. So I went out and bought him a six pack of beer. I said, you can't go on a float trip without beer. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was just my mentality. Well, little did I know that they, you know, they had a whole okay. cooler full of <laughs> shit, but yeah. yeah. So what I was going to say earlier was, um, So alcohol is considered a depressant, okay? And what it's doing is slowing down the brain and the processes in the central nervous system. And it's interfering with what our brains need to do to keep good mental health. So over the long term, um, alcohol contributes to negative feelings, anxiety, that kind of thing. And so you've got so nerve chemical systems relate to your mood. Okay. So people who drink can experience the feeling of depression after drinking. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. 
You know, I. So you stop drinking, you increase a better mood. Yeah. So, like I said last week I, or uh, last show, I, I kind of touched on it. I'm like, you know, depression is a real thing. And I am clinically depressed, you know, through the doctor. And I was also using alcohol. So it pulls you down, it makes you just feel awful. The best thing that ever happened to me was seeing my mom, you know, get me into the, this program because I wasn't going to kick myself in the ass to go because I was being selfish. But, you know, once you hit like they say, once you hit about 90 days of sobriety, your brain starts functioning on a completely different level. And I've noticed that, you know, I'm I'm not having to like think and stutter and be like, oh, well, you know, what should I do in this situation or stuff like that? And it's just like it it just clicks all of a sudden you're like okay here's my brain again it's good to have it back and you know when i was drinking uh right before i started working on my sobriety i was in my kitchen and i'm like okay buddy we gotta you know do something so i was like i'm gonna get a bottle of water all of a sudden i had such a bad panic attack and of course i made it worse by putting on my blood pressure monitor so I wrapped around my arm, I lay down, and my blood pressure was like 165 over 120, and I freaked out. So then I put it back on to retest it. I was like, my blood pressure was 195 over 142, and my heart rate was like 170 beats a minute. I was having a panic attack, but I thought I was going to die. I thought I was literally having a heart attack. So I called 911, and... As soon as I heard the sirens coming around the corner, I started calming down because I'm like, oh, thank God, help is on the way. But I was sweating. I mean, I was shaking. It was one of the most miserable experiences I've ever had in my life. Is that when you were drinking or sober? I had just started working on my sobriety. Okay. It was it was brutal. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, when you think about any time that the body takes in anything of like alcohol and drugs the 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 detaching situation is more severe than actually doing whatever it is a person is doing because once the body gets addicted to something it craves it it's just like anything that you do if you uh if you're a person that works out and you work out all the time and your body is getting used to that feeling. Once you stop working out, it makes you miserable because you the body wants to go do that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So when you have stuff like uh, drugs, you know, when people get on drugs, yeah, it's a wonderful feeling. If it gets me to this place, whatever, you know. But trying to get away from that is a harder process because it is dependent on it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and and the thing about it is the biggest muscle in, in, in the body is the mind. If you can convince the mind to do it, then it can be done, you know? And you guys have convinced the mind to say, okay, I don't need that no more. And it, I'm sure 
Lynn and talking white guy daddy. That first date when you convinced yourself was almost nearly impossible to say, I'm finna go without this today. And then it slowly got better and better and better where you say, I will, I'm I'm far away from that than I was when I first started, you know? And and that's the thing. If you can convince that mind to do it, that body will follow, you know? But first of all, you got to believe that you even can, you know? And that's where a lot of people fall short because they be like, I, it's just impossible. But it's not. I don't really, um, I'm going to take a kind of a disagreement to that. Okay. Because, you know, I've tried so many times to talk myself into not picking up that drink. Mm-hmm. And I never could do it. And then um, even once I started working in recovery, you know, and I heard about people who tried to control their drinking, I thought, oh, well, I never tried that. Mm-hmm. So I did. And um, it didn't work out real well. And then one day um, I was making spaghetti and I went and got a bottle of wine, to put some wine in my spaghetti, which I never did. And of course, I drank some. And I put it down and I thought, now, why would you do that? And I, I never picked up another drink, but I, I don't think that it was anything to do with my mind. You know, mm-hmm. I think it was getting on my knees and, you know, continually asking my higher power, you know, please take this obsession from me. And, and one after that, it, it did. It just went away. I never had another desire for a drink. Hey, but see, but I don't, see. I can't explain it. But you said something, though. You said something, though, Miss Lynn. It was still part of your mind because you changed your mind and said you talked to your higher power. I always <laughs> talk to them. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but that's what I'm saying. So you had a connection with something that says, okay, I'm going to, I need you to do something that I can't do. You changed your yeah, mind. Yeah, you do. You have to want, <laughs> you have to want it. You changed your mind. So, I mean, I mean, that's, that's, that's that's great. I mean, I, yeah. I listen. It's just a- so let's talk about this then, because I do I do know that I've heard people in recovery talk about. I mean, they can be in recovery forty years, and they still say it's still one day at a time, like that. So, what is it that? What is it that takes, say, let's talk, let's say 40 years. Okay. I've been in recovery 40 years. I've been good. I'm not taking a drink 40 years. And then on 40 years and one day, I, I take a drink and relapse. Let's talk about relapse for a minute. Hmm. I, have, I have a story for you guys. Um, and I mean, I've, I've relapsed, but I'm, I'm only 415 days sober. So I've got, you know, just a bit over a year. I, uh, I heard a story from somebody in the program and they were husband and wife. They'd been 38 years and 36 years sober. They decided to take a cruise. It was all inclusive. And they were like, you know, we're okay. You know, we're going to lose money if we don't drink. And they both went back out on the back out on the town. And they just got completely intoxicated the entire cruise and 
lost their sobriety and, and everything. I mean, it, it can happen anytime. You know, I relapsed after five years and I know people who have relapsed after 30 or more years. Um, and, you know, for me, it was because I got mad at a priest. And well, that's um, easy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I got mad at something a priest told me when I got divorced. And um, I decided that, you know, I was mad at God. So, you know, I, I wouldn't do anything that had to do with the higher power and work in my program. I kept going to meetings. I was still sponsoring people. I was still doing everything, but I would not pray. I would not say the Our Father at the end, you know, anything. And it was a resentment. And eventually I picked up a drink. Um, and so a lot of people, you know, they think, oh, well, you know, it's been 30 years. I got this. And then, so they stopped going, doing their program. And the thing is, it's still, that disease is still in your brain. And if you don't treat your disease, just like if you don't take your insulin, if you're diabetic, it's going to rear its ugly head again. So recovery is not just a lifelong process. It's an everyday process. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that's for anything too, Ms. Lynn. Um, I'm on the other side of that spectrum. Um, I have grown, grew up and seen my friends um get off into drugs, get off into alcohol, some wind up some wind up dying, you know, being incarcerated. I think from my perspective, it's one day at a time with me to not to start. You feel what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because and I ain't trying to be funny, uh being a black male in America, I should probably be in a bottle because it's hard. You know what I'm saying? And is is you don't know what you're gonna get from day to day, you know. And for me, you know, seeing people that I grew up with go through and try those different things, they were my poster boards. So. I said to myself, I can't afford to be like that because they never had anything. They was always destitute. They was always without money. Some of them wind up homeless and, and just a, a array of different things. So even on the other side of that, because once, once you get to a certain place in your life, and if I was to start that now, who's to say that I would come out of it? Right. So even even not being a part of that society and doing those things, life is hard already. You know, so I don't want I me, I'm like, I don't want to add nothing to my life that would cause me to be dependent on it other than the God that I serve. You feel what I'm saying? So I do. That's a really good point. You know, <laughs> and that could be, you know, I mean, life is hard for everybody, but I'm sure, um, you know, I mean, I don't know. I can only imagine what people of your race go through. Is this country, I mean, uh, this country, other countries, I mean, we're so unfair to people. Yeah. Over things that should not matter. Matter. Yeah. Yeah. I know for me, um, I probably could have been, but 
you know, all, pretty much all my life, I, and I mean all my life, all my life, I have been told that I was selfish and crazy and I talk too much all my life. Now, now that I'm the age I am now, I think it's really okay for me to be selfish in the way that I'm selfish. And that is, I'd be dang dong and delivered if you gonna tell me what to do with my life, okay? So for me, especially being a single mom, like how in the world was I gonna be drunk, high, whatever, whatever term you're gonna put on it, and raise some kids and then tell them not to do it, mm-hmm. right? That's selfish. Yeah. That's selfish. Mm-hmm. Cause that's selfish. Cause I, cause I, cause, cause you weren't gonna tell me how to raise my kids. And you weren't gonna tell me that you needed to take my kids and take them somewhere and I wasn't gonna be there. Mm-hmm. For me, that was my selfishness. That's how my selfish work. You're not gonna tell me what to do. And I'm gonna, by any means necessary, in whatever circumstance I'm in, I'm gonna be my ha- in my happy space. Mm-hmm. Whatever that is. I could be homeless and be happy. I know a lot of homeless people. They ain't got no overhead. The only thing they got to do is worry about eating. They they don't have no overhead, and they are the most pleasant people to be around. Right. I, I have a story I'm going to tell you. Um, so first of all, you know, that's a good point. Like, you know, Lynn and I, you know, I'm sure we're both very, very selfish. And I've, I've admitted to myself and to you guys that I was very, very selfish when I was drinking. I didn't care about anybody when you start getting your sobriety, you have to be selfish in your program mm-hmm. in your sobriety. Mm-hmm. Because I guarantee if I go back out and I take that next drink, I am screwed. Like I am going to be in big, big trouble. You know, so I have to be selfish because when I go to my meetings, like, so my girlfriend tells me, she's like, you know, hey, when, when was the last meeting you went to? And I'll be like, uh, a couple days ago. She's like, are you going to go to one today? I'm like, uh, planning on it. She's like, okay, good. Because I like the sober mat. So you have to. <laughs> there you go, girlfriend. Me too. Hey, Lynn. <laughs> hey, Lynn. Hey, yeah. Lynn. Hey, Lynn. Can I borrow $5? Sure, here you go. Hey, she ain't got no selfish problem. <laughs> no. And, uh, you know, it, but you got to be the best version of you to be better for the people around you. So I know if I'm sober, my family is going to love me. My, you know, I'm going to be, I mean, they're going to love me regardless, but I'm going to be better to them. I'm not going to like you though. No. And it'll be hard to love you, but they would do it, but it would be hard. I'll be a better 
family member, a better friend, a better Christian, you know, I'll have everything going for me. And uh, you got to be selfish in that sense. Yeah. So well, I, was, I think there's a lot of instances that you have to be selfish in. You know what about, I'm saying? Talk about <laughs> homeless people. You, know, you just have to be selfish about your sobriety because, like, when I first got first stopped drinking, I went to meetings every day, every evening at seven fifteen or seven. And um, my husband at the time told me, he says, "You know, I I don't want you going to meetings every day. You know, you need to spend more time at home." But I was, you know, I was, I had to because it was life or death. Yeah, and I I was just so far gone emotionally that I needed it every single day for quite a while. And so I had to do, you know, if I, if I just said, okay, I'll, I'll only go twice a week or three times a week or whatever, there's a good chance I, I wouldn't have stayed sober. Yeah. Yeah. You know, different people need different things. You no, know, I needed a lot. <laughs> you know, I needed a whole lot of sobriety. And then you think about it. I, I like something that you said. It was a, it was a choice between life or death. A lot of people don't understand that physical death ain't always the worst, because a person can die slowly mentally, and yeah, that, that can be it's to try to commit suicide. Yeah, that's a fucking brutal way to go out. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like so because like I say, when your mind starts thinking of things that you wouldn't normally let come across your mind if you don't have the help that y'all had the opportunity to get who was to say that you would be on insane rhetoric right now helping somebody else helping okay. somebody else mm -hmm. you know so that's that, what it's all about you know I'm, that's how we get over the selfishness you know we give back so yeah. i would give you five bucks you know i'd give you 50 bucks, bucks if you're sitting here and you needed it <laughs> But, I just, you know, I'm just I've I'll be on the plane in <laughs> the morning. You don't loan people money. When people ask if they can borrow money, you give it to them if you have it and you do not expect that. Yeah. yeah. I, so, yeah, I'll see you in the morning. <laughs> I've also learned through going to Judge Judy that you don't <laughs> loan people too much money. Especially if it's somebody you're dating. Oh, Lord. <laughs> All right, that's a little plug right there. Y'all like the same subscribe and follow, y'all. Little plug for Judge Judy. Let's see if we can't get a commercial on Judge right. Judy's show. Okay, anyway, click my heels three times. Judge Judy, Judge Judy, Judge Judy. Okay. <laughs> I was on there in April of 20, I don't know. I was on her show once. Is she as crazy as she looks on TV? She is exactly like that. Wow. I was scared shitless. <laughs> Listen, me be who and I am, I be who I am, I try not to prove it before judges and police. I wanted my money back. <laughs> I get it. Did you get it? You're... I did. I did. Oh, well, because see, what happens shot. is the show pay if you win the show pays what the person owes you mm, that makes sense so that makes sense because they know hey just because you ruling somebody favor you go out the courtroom don't mean that they got they still gonna pay you so right if right the, if the that's show, why i went to judge judy because i need yeah, to get my money yeah well that makes sense you know when uh we were grass i'm going to look for that show 
<laughs> when I See, wake this up is on early. YouTube called Casanova Dodges Payback. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying? Talking my guy, what were you gonna say? Nothing. I got two women on the show. You're not gonna get a word in. <laughs> I told you I talk too much and I'm crazy. Yeah, you didn't hear me? Quite a bit of attention before the show started, if you remember, Matt. Right. I was going to say, shoot, you had all the attention when we were trying to get you set up, sir. I know that background. I'll get it. I'll have it next week. I don't know what part you don't understand. I told you just last week somebody called me crazy, told me I was crazy. Okay. I'm crazy. Well, well see, this, this is the I'm, funny thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. Talk about it, guy. Go ahead. I forgot what the hell I was going to say. The it must not have been important. It killed everybody. <laughs> it must not uh, have been important. No, I was going to say, it's uh, it's amazing, like, when you wake up and you surrender to God every single day. Like, the first thing I do every morning is I grab my Bible and I hit my knees and I pray. I pray for people outside of myself. And, uh, you know, if I didn't do this and get into what I'm doing with my sobriety, I would have never met Lynn. And Lynn is one of my favorite people on earth. I give her a hug every time I, I see her. Like, I love her. And she is just an unbelievable woman. And I'm so proud of everything she's done. And she's oh, been thank you, Matt. Thick and thin. You know, it's living amends. You know, I'm, I want to say one thing is, you know, because um, I talked a lot on She Said about, you know, how I was looking for love, you know, by men. And, you know, even when I was married, you know, I just kept looking for it. And, you know, since I got sober, um, I, you know, I did have a spiritual experience, you know, kind of a burning bush moment where I just, I knew, I understood that my higher power, who I call God, loves me. And I actually had this, just this overwhelming feeling of complete love and peace, you know, and I have the love that I've always been looking for. It's been there all along. I just didn't know it. And so it's not that I'm, you know, I, I'm a, I don't like guys or anything, but, you know, since then I haven't dated because I found the love of my life. Mm-hmm. The complete. That makes sense. It, it yes, makes perfect sense. Jesus make... loves me. <laughs> yes, yes, Jesus loves me. <laughs> you do have yeah. men that love you and those are your sons. Oh yeah, I know. I know. But it's like, I don't, need you know i always thought i needed a man to love me and put me on a pedestal and i never needed that that was never what i needed you know one one thing people used to say all the time and they still say it when they're in relationships with people they say that they complete me well that's a problem because if you need somebody else to complete you you have a you have a this something else going on with you other than because i'm a whole person now you may enhance me but you don't complete me that's exactly there's there's two different things you know add to you in a positive way right you know they'll be that you know so one of my favorite alcoholics of all time is robert downey jr yeah iron man And there's this scene where the house is getting missiled and he sends his armor to Pepper, his, you know, girlfriend, and he protects her. He gives her his armor. Mm -hmm. And then 
she uses that armor to protect him when the building starts collapsing. Oh, I remember she's that. Like, she opens it How up you? and she goes, I got you. And he goes, I got you first. <laughs> but you always... I don't really know that that was Robert huh? Downey Jr. or maybe that was like a character he was playing. It was Iron Man. It was in a movie. But, but, but Robert... But the, the so beauty, how well do you know Robert Downey Jr. is what I'm asking. You know, he's your one of your favorite sober people. I mean, how well do you know him that? I I don't. I'm just saying, like I you idolize sober. Iron Man. You <laughs> idolize Iron Man. He's gonna really beat me up. No, I'm kidding. I think I'm you are gonna, just normal, Matt. I'm not gonna lay hands on you. I unless it's a hug. I'm actually I might watch that movie now. I like I, I like Robert Downey Jr. I'll, I'll send it. It's on YouTube Shorts. I'll send it to you. It's okay. it's actually a, like the the way it's portrayed and the way that they they show it is you know a man will be there and give you his armor, but when the man is weak, the women will be there as their armor, and I it, it's beautiful. So what you read this morning in your Bible? I hope it wasn't the Book of Matthew. I did, I did the serenity prayer. I did my third step prayer and I was already late, like trying to, I'm pointing the wrong direction. I don't even know what the hell I'm pointing at, but I was like, I got to get on. I didn't know we were starting at six 30. So I apologize for <laughs> this delay. All right. So last words, Matt, go. Um, I have a very amazing story and I was, you know how, so we just talked about, you know, homeless people that are some of the happiest people. I was right down the street from my office. I was going in just to buy a taquito and I saw a homeless guy sitting there and I was like, this is two weeks ago. I met him. He was, he didn't even bother. He wasn't like begging for change or anything. He was just sitting there. And I was like, I, I felt something and I'm like, Hey brother, I'm like, can I do anything for you? Can I help you? And he goes, I was like, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? He's like, I'm a, I'm a little hungry. And I said, okay, you want to come inside and pick out something to eat? He's like, oh man, that'd be great. So while I'm in there, I saw a younger kid. I said, pick out whatever you want. I'll buy it. So I walk around and I see this kid wearing a, EX, which are the Greek letters for Sigma Chi, which was my fraternity, and our badge is a white cross. It's a Christian-based, you know, fraternity. His girlfriend had already bought him a bottle of water, and we're in there. I sat down with him, and I ate with him, like literally sat on the concrete, and we're just eating, and we're just talking, and he started like preaching the gospel. Out of his backpack, he pulled out a, a Bible, and he had some other scriptures that were in there, and we went over that, and uh, he, I, I was like, hey, man, do you have a phone? You know, can I do anything to help you? So we've talked every single day since, but we went over all that stuff, and uh, he texted me, he goes, hey, man, I got approved for the grant. He was living in a tent outside of a church. And he was been working with pastors and stuff. And he did 20 years in prison for robbing a bank. He was on drugs. He's an addict. 
And now he is living his life through the word of God because he found that his higher power and he got the grant. He's moving into an apartment that's going to be paid for and he's going to have an actual roof over his head. And I'm so proud of him for doing that. That's awesome. One of the most powerful things I think I've ever experienced. Well, my last words, I just want to let people out there who are um, looking for sobriety and looking for help that, um, you know, we talked a lot, you know, I think all of us have talked about are the Christian God is and that sobriety is open to ev- anybody, everybody, you know, it's not just for, you know, I mean, my son who's in the program, he does not have the same higher power as me, you know, it's, that's a personal thing. Um, so don't let, don't shy away from it thinking that it's, you know, some kind of Christian cult because it's not, you know, everybody's welcome to have their own higher power. You really just need to know that there is a higher power and it's not you. And with that, we need to end because I really need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I've been sitting here drinking a Pepsi and a coffee. <laughs> is there any, where is the, is there, where's the best place to find a recovery program. Do we just Google recovery programs? You can uh, Google. Well, my recommendation is only because I know that um, you can Google Alcoholics Anonymous and it'll give you an emergency number. Um, I know there's a, a thing called Celebrate Recovery, but I know that's in the Christian Christian Church. Um, you know, yeah, you can probably just Google up Google. You know, how do I get sober? Or, but you know, I would start with calling the AA hotline. They'll let you know, depending on what you need. All right. And you can do open chair. It's an app and it has every meeting in your area, what times in their locations. All right. Well, everybody, we want to thank you for joining us. And remember, as always, we enough said. We don't need to say anything else. So don't. Just remember, as always, to enjoy the ride that is insane rhetoric and we'll see y'all next time thank you guys thank you Love y'all thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for joining us on this rewind wednesday don't forget to come back and join us on free fall friday but until then just remember to enjoy the ride that is insane rhetoric